This is an AMI podcast. Good morning. It's Thursday, August the 11th, 2022. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, the head of a UK retail store says that workers over the age of 50 should return to work to help tackle the labor shortage. Dawn Dickinson has the details in her preview of The Guardian this week. Sean Priest of Double Tap Canada recaps the Samsung Unpacked event, including the company's latest smartphones, flips and folds with Sean Priest. Sylvie Fiquette will tell you about Operation Freedom Paws Canada and their services for people with disabilities on Vancouver Island. And community reporter Becky Zarr drops by. She'll share her inclusive shopping experience at the Silver Icings online clothing store. Let's begin the show with our top story of the day, and it's beginning in the world of healthcare. Not healthcare. We're beginning in the world of climate Drones are helping map hotspots in a wildfire burning in British Columbia's Okanagan region. BC Wildfire Service Information Officer Michael Elsie says new drone technology is being used to scan the fire's edges to ensure flames have been put out. He says the drone was operated overnight and helped crews understand what hotspots should be targeted. Uh, so crews... Uh, did a very have done a very thorough job over the last few days, and so this... Uh, uh, thermal scan will allow us to really nail down the the final spots, especially um, the tricky. There's lots of rocky, um, deep deep burning root systems that uh, these these uh, these uh, drones are very sensitive. They can pick up even very small amounts of heat. So we'll be able to really uh, confirm confirm the work that we're doing out there. Elsay says the 67 square kilometer fire southwest of Pentington in the Okanagan remains out of control. More than 400 homes, including the entire community of Olelia, remain under evacuation order. Another 900 properties in the area are under an evacuation alert. Two wildfires in central Newfoundland now encompass an area of more than 200 square kilometers. Jeff Motti, the province's forest fire duty officer, offers up some more insight. On the island. Approximately about 80% of our fires are human-caused. And when they're human-caused, you have the ability to get out on the site quickly and suppress them, and they don't grow that large. Some rain in the area is helping firefighters combat the blaze. Looking abroad, German officials say water levels on the Rhine River could reach a critically low point in the coming days. Charles de Ledesma takes a closer look. Tim Alexandrin from the German Ministry of Transport says water levels and discharges of the federal waterways remain at a very low level. And this is especially true for the Rhine, whose nautical bottleneck, he says, is just very low. The dry weather poses a headache for German factories and power plants that rely on deliveries by ship, and this makes an economic slowdown even more likely. Capital Economics says transporting goods by inland waterways is more important in Germany than in many other Western European countries. I'm Charles Dilletesma. From droughts in Germany to severe floods in the United States, severe storms brought heavy rain and flooding to the Washington DC area. Reporter Mona Kozer-Abdi has more. Flash floods hitting the nation's capital. The deluge, a nightmare for commuters, with trains across the region delayed for hours or cancelled altogether. Rain pouring into trains on the D.C. metro. 
water gushing into the stations. And in northern Virginia, water streaming down the tracks. In Kentucky, the cleanup is still underway after heavy rains caused flashed floods that destroyed entire communities earlier this month and killed over 36 people. Coming back to Canada, hundreds of scientists and researchers are expected to gather on Parliament Hill today, calling for better funding. Karen Rebo looks ahead. The Hill will be bubbling over with brainiacs today for a Support Our Science rally. Organizers say they will present an open letter to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and to Science and Innovation Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne that has been signed by thousands of scientists and measures more than 60 metres long. The group says many graduate and postdoctoral scholars receive funding from three federal agencies, but often the scholarships amount to less than minimum wage. They add since grad students have not seen a raise since 2000, 2003, many researchers leave the country or leave their fields altogether. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. Let's get to our daily polls. At AMI Audio is where you find us on Twitter. Accessible Media Inc. is where you find us on Facebook. On Wednesday, we asked you. An Australian airline is asking managers and office employees to work as baggage handlers to help with delays. What do you think of that idea? Had a bit of a split here. 60% of you said it was a good idea. 40% of you said it was a bad idea. Today's daily poll, coming from the world of personal experience and trying to navigate the economic world in terms of day-to-day transactions. I'm sure you've noticed that over the last six months, new debit and credit sales terminals have been rolling out across the country in stores, restaurants, and service centers. Are you finding them hard to navigate? Yes, no, or I haven't noticed new ones just yet. We have talked about this a couple of times on the show over the last few years where a few organizations like the CNIB were being consulted on how some of these machines could be made more accessible, especially as a lot of touchscreen technology is being used. And I don't know about you, but all these new ones that have been rolling out in the last six months, I find even harder to navigate, even harder to use than the old ones. It's even more touchscreens, even less tangible buttons, even tinier fonts, and any kind of eligibility to uh, manipulate the machine or make it bigger or make it more accommodating to your needs are not there. I'm also finding the tapping spot is more sensitive, harder to make a good tap as you're using these machines too. So my experience has been quite bad with these machines. I'm finding them extremely difficult to navigate. I thought we'd really, you know, figured something out a couple of years ago with just the tangible buttons. I really thought that we had something that was good there and the tap was right at the top. All of it made sense. And then we had to reinvent the wheel because everybody loves them a touchscreen, even though we know there's accessibility issues every time you roll one of those out. Let's bring in Grace Scofield for her thoughts on this. Grace, you're young, hip and with it. I'm sure they're not a problem for you, are they? Hip and with it might not be a great term to use for me, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But I find that there's so many different kinds of debit machines now. I, the tap is in a different location Every on time. all of them. Every time. So I'm like waving my card just in the general direction of the machine, hoping that somewhere it picks it up. Because it's on the side, on the back, on the front, on the bottom. Like it's over and around. I don't know where it is. Sometimes they have separate tapping machines. So you like tap a foot away from where the actual key card was. And I'm like, I don't know where the tap is. That's my biggest thing with them. I don't mind... Most of the other ones I've seen, they work okay. I find that the tap, the touchscreens are really sensitive too. 
So if I just bump it with like the side of my hand on some of them, especially mm-hmm. at the Rogers mm-hmm. Center, I just hit a button that I didn't mean to hit. So I'm not a huge fan of them. And I've just noticed such a variation in all of the different kinds of machines that I never know what one I'm going to come across whenever I go somewhere. I think that's a really good identification that we're seeing that there's no more standardization. It used to be just a couple of different types that were all pretty much the same. And now I would say you're right on any given week. I encounter, what, eight to ten different kinds of debit or credit machines? I don't know. Is that, is that number off, Grace? What do you think? No, I think it's about right because you get some of the older ones, some of the newer ones, a lot of the Apple Pay ones mm, or whatever they're called. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably a good number. My barber just rolled out a uh, new tablet system for payment, which oh. was so baffling. I could not figure it out. It's like, okay, and now you put your credit card under here, and then you press this button, and it takes a picture, but you have to hold it right there, but then you have to press this button like this, and then you have to punch in your credit card number over there. I'm like, this is worse than the old system. Yeah, He's like, yeah. yeah, but they're not charging me as high a percentage on doing my transactions. And I'm like, well, you know what? You're a good barber, so if it means more cash in your pocket, I'll take that. But this is not a pleasant experience. I also don't <laughs> like taking pictures of my card and no. putting it in your machine. No. We don't want to do that. That feels so, like, not – I'm sure you trust your barber. I'm sure your barber's a trustworthy I, guy. Brenton is fixing my bald spot. So, like, there we go, I trust right? Brenton with my life. Exactly. But also, don't take a picture of my credit card. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't need you keeping that record. Okay, let's bring in Corinne Van Dusen here for her thoughts on this one. Corinne, I know you're a master of the tap when it comes to uh, utilizing the cards. <laughs> Are you finding some of these new machines hard to navigate? Uh, yeah. I find, and funnily, funny enough, I resisted tap forever. I was not a tap person. I was like, nope, this is not going to be great. I don't want to tap. And a lot of uh, restaurants and places would be like, well, why not? Just tap, just tap it. And I was like, I haven't enabled it. Not going to do it. And then I, I got a card that was already enabled and I tapped and I said, what was, what? Yeah. Why was I, why was I fighting against this? Why was I so I resistant to change? <laughs> um, but the, when you sent out this question, I was thinking about it. And I was like, no, everything seems the same. And then I started picturing where I've been lately because we've been going out more into the world. Um, and it's usually the they're, they always seem big and clunky and they're the white ones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that happen to have on the very top. There's a there's a very big tap symbol on the top, which I enjoy those. But it is touchscreen. So you have to hold this giant contraption and then you're like making sure that you're hitting the correct buttons. Um, So, yeah, it's a little hard to navigate that way. Um, And then the flip-arounds, as I call them, like the iPad Mm flip-arounds. So if you go to a coffee Mm -hmm. shop or something and they they put everything in and then they flip it around and you choose if you want a tip or choose what you want to do here kind of thing. I'm hoping that a lot more places will go to, like, the prepay, pre-order method. Like the the, the example I have on my head right uh, top of my head right now is the Starbucks app. You know, you order before you get there, you pay, you walk up, life's great. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that just is very helpful for everyone in an accessibility way as well. And uh, just like that. But the yeah, it's there's a lot of them out there. Not an exaggeration, I would say, agreeing with you, eight to ten with the older models and then the newer models coming out. So it's but touchscreen, you know, I, it makes me always think of the minority report. Like eventually we're just going to wave our hand and <laughs> bring in whatever we need. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do find I do find these these processes to sometimes be a little bit much. But yeah, I, I, I do like some of that prepaid stuff. Um, it is it is funny. One of our one of our colleagues who I will remain nameless for the sake of protecting their identity tells me that when they go to order their coffee in person 
at the coffee shop, they will order just your basic bland coffee. But when it comes to app time, there's like shots and there's pumps and there's <laughs> twists and there's all the things that maybe they feel a bit of shame asking for when they go to the cash. So uh, I think perhaps there could be something uh, to that as well on the app, uh, getting folks trying some I, new things. I too may be a, a behind the scenes adder of a vanilla pump or two <laughs> into something. <laughs> yes. Well, we will protect everyone's identity on this one unless they out themselves. Hey, Corinne, thank you for this. We'll talk to you again uh, a little bit later for the big business story of the day. Sounds good. That is Corinne Van Dusen. She's filling in for Mike Ross this week. I want to hear from you at AMI-audio on Twitter, Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Are you finding it difficult to navigate some of these new debit and credit point of service terminals? And I know social media is not your thing, but I know this is a big issue inside the blind and low vision community. So please feel free to reach out and share your stories with us via email, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or you can find us via the telephone, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. While you contemplate that question of the day, let's bring in Grace Scofield for the National Weather Update. Thanks, Dave. Here's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're going to start off in St. John's, Newfoundland, where it's mainly cloudy with a 60% chance of drizzle this morning and a high of 17 degrees. In Halifax, it's mainly cloudy today with a high of 22 degrees. Over in Montreal, it's sunny early this morning, then a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers and a risk of a thunderstorm this afternoon with a high of 25 degrees. In Ottawa, it's cloudy with a 30% chance of showers early this morning, but that will clear up by this afternoon and there will be a high of 25 degrees. Today in Toronto, a mix of sun and cloud with 30% chance of showers early this morning, otherwise sunny for the rest of the day with a high of 26 degrees. In Thunder Bay, it's sunny today with a high of 25 degrees. Over to Winnipeg, Manitoba, where it's mainly sunny today with a high of 24 degrees. In Saskatoon, it's mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of showers late this morning and into early this afternoon with a high of 29 degrees. In Calgary, Alberta, there's a heat warning in effect today. It'll be sunny early this morning, early this afternoon, and then a mix of sun and cloud later this afternoon with a risk of a thunderstorm and a high of 30 degrees. In Edmonton, Alberta, a mix of sun and cloud with 30% chance of showers this afternoon and a risk of a thunderstorm later this afternoon with a high of 29 degrees. In Yellowknife, it is going to clear up later this morning and the high is 19 degrees. In Vancouver, BC, it's clearing this morning with a high of 23 degrees and some matching weather in Victoria, BC where it is also clearing up this morning with a high of 23 degrees. And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Grace. Coming up next, the head of a UK retail store is saying that workers over the age of 50 should return to work to help tackle the labour shortage. Dawn Dickinson will fill you in on that story in her preview of The Guardian this week. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's get to a preview of The Guardian this week. You can find that program Saturdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. It's called The Guardian this week, so it features readings from The Guardian newspaper. Don Dickinson is the producer of that program and joins us now to talk about a couple of this week's interesting articles. Hey, good morning, Don. Hey there, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Nice to chat with you. I feel like it's been a million years because I was on vacation. (laughs) The show was on hiatus. You were on vacation last week. So, Don, great to chat with you once again. Yes. We're fresh at it. Fresh at it. Exactly. New attitudes with me and Don. Hey, Don, let's uh, get into your first story here. We've been talking a lot about the cost of living in Canada. We've been sharing a lot of inflation numbers in Canada and the U.S. as well. But we've had a bit of a blind spot when it comes to the U.K. So the first article is looking at the rise in cost of living and how it's affecting people in Britain. So what are some of the stats? Oh, well, you know, uh, let's face it, it, it's not good all the way around these days, but in Britain it's particularly harsh. Um, they're having, they're facing a, a, a lot of increases. Uh, every day it's kind of like a bleaker forecast on the news. Uh, last week it was news that the energy price cap was set to rocket to 3,359 thousand pounds to 4,266,000 pounds. Mm. Now, I looked that up that the energy price cap is the maximum amount suppliers can change their or sorry can charge their customers per year so then on top of that the bank of england of course denounced the biggest interest rate hike in 27 years dave um, this week, another stark reminder of the disastrous circumstances of this uh, uh, of this uh, crisis uh, a report predicting that 30 Five million people will be in fuel poverty by the end of the year. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, none of it's particularly good. 35 million people. That's a staggering, staggering number. That's a huge proportion of the population. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don, the, the, the person who wrote this commentary in The Guardian is Zara Sultana, the Labour MP for Coventry South. What is she expressing in this commentary? Well, basically, she's saying that the public are owed solutions and that politicians are not doing anything. And she's saying politicians on on, on all sides. I mean, she's not just saying, you know, the opposition, right? Uh, she's saying that behind these headlines are real people. They're suffering. Um, they're, you know, they have a, 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 a real point here. Uh, the Guardian, Guardian actually has been doing a series called Heat or Eat, which uh, is talking to parents who can't put food on the table, mm. uh, private renters struggling to, you know, uh, basically just live, put a roof over their heads. Uh, elderly people terrified of facing the upcoming winter with no money to pay these fuel bills. So she's saying, you know, like this is, we're in dire circumstances here, almost to the point of like war circumstances, you know. And she's saying, why aren't we doing more? Um, often it's discussed as though it's inevitable, but she's saying it's not not inevitable. Uh, none of it is. Millions of people are experiencing these cost of living increases, but the politicians are doing very little at this point in time. And she said, alongside a record squeeze on living standard, Britain is also home to record wealth. 
Right. Okay, let's get to that side of this conversation because there's been some really good reporting done in Canada on this. The Toronto Star did an excellent series a couple of weeks ago about the way in which Canadian uh, grocery chains have been jacking up prices way higher than the actual cost of inflationary pressures, and then that creates a double inflationary pressure. We had uh, a couple articles flowing around this week in the Canadian press about greedflation, about the way in which uh, many companies are taking advantage of the specter of inflation and increasing prices by proportionally more than they should be. What are the numbers in regards to multinationals and their profits that they're reporting? Well, she's basically saying it's appalling. Uh, The multinational corporations such as BP, that's British Petroleum, and Shell have announced eye-watering profits, is how she phrased it, Uh, 50 billion, that's with A-B, Dave, uh, pounds uh, for the oil giants at the last count, while this uh, year's Sunday Times Rich List uh, revealed that Britain is home to more billionaires than ever. And meanwhile, bankers' bonuses have reached unparalleled levels, levels not seen since the 2008 financial uh, uh, crisis. So her quote was, it's a a cost-of-living crisis for most and many, but it's a bonanza for the few. This crisis is the result of choice. Do we build an economy in Britain that satisfies corporate greed or one that meets people's needs? Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. And largely that boils down to tax policy when it really comes down to it. I know that uh, anytime we start talking about tax policy, people's eyes glaze over because it's kind of boring. But uh, the reality is when we're talking about those kinds of profits, tax policy is where the solution lies. Don, yeah, you, you mentioned you mentioned that uh, this has been brought on by this labor, this labor MP in Britain. But it was something that uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez talked about last week as well in regards to some of yeah. those first quarter profits uh, being over $100 billion for a couple of the biggest oil companies in the world since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. So those are quarterly profits of hundreds of billions of dollars that, that are an increase in profits. And again, that, that's on the backs of consumers. It's, and, it, and it definitely is jarring in the way that it impacts people's lives. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think people, you know, it's a great excuse, the war, right? The war in Ukraine. It's a great excuse to just say, oh, well, this is the way it is. But she's saying, no, 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 no. This is not necessarily the way it has to be. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where I think people have to be able to go a little bit deeper than just the way these things are covered in the media, because it can get really dense to start covering and understanding economic theory. But it's it's worth the time to do it because you get a better understanding of not just saying supply chain, inflations, war in Ukraine, food crisis. You have to be able to go just a teensy bit deeper to truly understand what these what these situations are. Don, let's uh, jump over to another buzzword that people love to use in this uh, in economic reporting. That's the labor shortage. The boss of the <laughs> yeah. mega retailer, John Lewis, is encouraging workers over the age of 50 to return to the workplace. What are the details here, Don? Yes, well, um, as you said, the boss of John Lewis, you know, huge retailer, right, has said that one million and mostly uh, uh, 50 people who are aged in the 50 uh, years uh, have left their jobs during the COVID pandemic. And he said those people should be encouraged 
to go back to work to tackle the labor shortage that is pushing up the inflation and the wages. Now, Dame Sharon White, a former second permanent secretary at the Treasury, said she has never seen such a difficult situation, economic situation, facing businesses right now. Her quote was, one area that I think that has not had enough attention is what has happened in the job market over the period of the uh, pandemic with so many people in that particular age uh, group leaving. So it's something to think on. <laughs> Maybe those record record profits could uh, go towards uh, paying more frontline <laughs> workers and you'd get more people interested in taking the job. Uh, J- Don, over the course of late 2021 into early 2022, one of the expressions we heard was the great resignation referring to people changing jobs or leaving industries they'd worked for in a long time. Is that the accurate expression on what's happening here in regards to these folks over 50 trying to be encouraged to return to the labor force? Well, she says not. And when you think about it, I I totally agree with her because she's saying that, you know, categorizing it as the great resignation just means they're leaving the period. You know, they're just, oh, well, I'm done. I'm gone. I don't want to work anymore. But what she's saying is it really should be categorized as a great life reappraisal. Well, it's true because it's not so much that a lot of these people want to completely leave. It's just that they want to have a different situation in their work life. And I think, well, and many others obviously think that this has become very evident during the pandemic when everybody was given the opportunity to work at home or to to do sort of a hybrid work where you do uh, at home and in the office, right? And she's saying that if, if, if uh, options were given, um, you know, if the government were encouraging employers to, to, to focus in on people's needs, that the, so a large many of, the, of these 50-plus uh, folks would come back to the workplace. They might come back on a part-time basis. They might come back, as I said, on this hybrid uh, uh, method. But it would be something that it would give them the option. They would probably be pleased because they'd be earning again. But it's it it would be something that would greatly benefit the economy in general. Yeah, just the amount of abuse that people in frontline retail took during the course of the pandemic, I can definitely understand why they wouldn't want to go back to that. I can also understand why someone over 50, and I don't want to make too many generalizations here, but there is still a pandemic brewing out there, won't necessarily want to be in a place where masks are no longer required. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Dave, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a different mindset. I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, they used to, the banks used to have this wonderful tagline about Freedom 50, right? <laughs> yeah. um, that's disappeared. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody's thinking Freedom 50 anymore, you know? Uh, by the time you get your kids out of the nest and all the rest of it, it's uh, you're, you're teetering in your 50s there. And then it's the time to really buckle down and save some cash, you know? Yeah. I don't yeah. know what you're feeling about this, but uh, 
I mean, do you have a sense of, of how long you think you're going to be in the workplace? Or Well, Don, I'll, I'll already tell you this. And it's, it's funny when we hit these little teensy generation gaps, because when I was sort of in the 17 to 18 range, it was already Freedom 55. So it wasn't even Freedom 50 anymore oh. when I was like 17 or 18. So now, obviously, I think we're looking at sort of Freedom 67, Freedom 70 <laughs> being the number that people are talking about. Don, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I love my job, right? I really, I really, really do. I, I, I get great enjoyment from the two hours that I spend live here every day. So I could do this into my 70s for sure, without question. But I also acknowledge that I have some privilege here. I don't do hard labor, right? I, I do some mental labor, but I don't, I, I don't sacrifice my body to do the kind of work that I do. I really feel for people who are having to do a lot of work at lower paid wages that's so, so physical that it can that, that, that it might not even be their choice to walk away at 67 or 65 or 70 because their body will no longer allow them to do it. I, I have great, great sympathy uh, for folks who are going through those kinds of situations. Yes, yes. No, absolutely, Dave. You know, physically demanding work um, – when you're in your, you know, 30s, 40s, and, uh, you know, you, you can handle it, right? But by the time you get into your 50s in those jobs, boy, I tell you, it takes a toll on the body. Yeah. Uh, you're up. Right. But I, I think the theme that runs through this entire conversation, Don, is that when we're talking about rising cost of living, rising cost of housing, I think especially housing, that if people are spending so much of their money and disposable income to keep a roof over their head, it doesn't allow for any kind of extra saving. And certainly we've seen the increase in housing has sort of become the, the great Canadian retirement model, but that's not necessarily a sustainable or great idea. And on the flip side, going back to this notion of education and economic literacy, really our system in education does a really poor job of, of equipping people with economic literacy so that even if they wanted to start investing or finding opportunities to try and get into the market and do some saving, whether it be through stocks, bonds, GICs, whatever that may be, they're really not given the tools to do that. So again, it, it, it's, a, it's a whammy across so many different positions. In some cases, folks can't make the ends meet, but even if they can, they're having trouble actually being able to maximize their maximize the money they do have. Yes, absolutely true. I, I often think back about, you know, all the stuff that you learn in school that's just like completely useless. Oh my gosh. And, uh, <laughs> you know, even high school, never even, never even talking about, you know, university. And, and yet it would be so, and I think they're doing it now because they have recognized it, that it's fundamental, you know, having a, a, a sort of a knowledge of investment and, 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 and how to set a budget and all the rest of it. I mean, they are doing that now in high schools. Thank God, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we missed out on that entirely. I mean, you know, I basically it just had no education whatsoever <laughs> and, until I got into the workforce. I remember you know? in home economics, they taught us how to cook pasta. I can't believe that took six months for them to try and teach us to do like, <laughs> hey, boil water, put noodle in water. And uh, they taught us some uh, sewing basics. Now, by the way, I think sewing basics is quite useful. But um, to, again, to spend six months on how to sort of thread a needle is not necessarily everything you need to know. So, Don, I think that's well put through and through. Before we let you go, Don, I know we've gone a little long with you today, but I want to ask you our daily poll question, which folks can find at AMI Audio on Twitter, Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Don, I'm sure in the last six months you've noticed there are a lot more debit 
and credit point-of-sales terminals popping up, new ones. Are you finding them hard to navigate? Yes, no, or you haven't really noticed them? Oh, my God, they're frustrating, Dave. Absolutely frustrating. I, I just I had a haircut the other day, and uh, I think I must have tried my card about five times, and the <sighs> fellow said to me, oh, well, it's a new machine. I said, okay, so, like, where exactly <laughs> am I supposed to be tapping here, you know? And he said, oh, forget it. Just put your card in, you know? So I can understand you're visually impaired. I mean, it must be so frustrating. I just forget it. Just slide it in over here. It'll be fine. Uh, Don, thank you for this. We're, it's so great that we got a chance to connect with you again today. We've missed you the last couple of weeks. <laughs> okay, Dave. Take care. That's Don Dickinson, the producer of the reading program, The Guardian This Week, which you can find Saturdays at 12 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, 12 p.m. Eastern, otherwise known as noon in the more colloquial sense. Coming up after the break, I've got the Accessibility Story Roundup, and Corinne Van Dusen has the big business story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minute. Canada's main stock index saw triple-digit gains yesterday, while American markets also surged after July data suggested U.S. inflation may have finally peaked. Toronto's TSX index gained 307 points to close at 19,885. New York's Dow Jones average soared 535 points, and the Nasdaq added 360. Tokyo markets were closed today for a holiday. Hong Kong's Hang Seng index, though, gained 471 points, and our dollar is trading overseas this morning. Morning at 78.33 cents U.S. Unifor says Lana Payne has been elected as the new president of Canada's largest private sector union. She's the first woman to ever hold the position and comes to the job well-informed as the former national secretary-treasurer. The leadership vote came after longtime former national president Jerry Diaz stepped down in March for health reasons and was later charged with violating the code of ethics and democratic practices of the union's constitution. From the Canadian Press business desk. I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Corinne Van Dusen will be here in just a moment, but I've got your accessibility story roundup. Ah, two stories for you today, beginning in Hamilton, Ontario. New, newly renovated, newly, oh my goodness, Dave, read properly. Newly reopened Hamilton Public Pool, part of efforts to improve accessibility at rec facilities. It was written by Lisa Poluski of 900 CHML. The Parkdale Outdoor Pool reopened a few weeks ago after closing its doors in November 2020 to undergo a $3.2 million renovation and upgrade. The pool itself has been replaced with a heated version and is now has accessibility features like a ramp into the water and a new 2,500 square foot change house with an open style change room, accessible shower, and both gender specific and universal washrooms. The city also plans to update the lists of amenities on the city's webpage for its indoor pools and outdoor pools to ensure they clearly indicate what accessibility features are available at each facility so people who need accommodations can plan their trips. The City of Hamilton is also working with the Rickanson Foundation to get the facilities assessed through the Foundation's National Certification Program to further reduce barriers at recreation facilities. Anybody who does want to get in touch with the City about making specific improvements and changes at public rec facilities is encouraged to call 905-546-3747 or email accessiblerec at hamilton.ca 905 
546-3747 or email accessiblerec at hamilton.ca. Now let's head over to the Maritime, where Moncton is attempting to increase bus accessibility with a new stop announcement system. This was written by Shane McGee of CBC News. Kodiak Transpo buses in Moncton, New Brunswick, will get technology upgrades to allow reloadable fare cards and stop announcements. The upgrades include audible and visual information about bus stop and transfer points, replacing the need for a driver to make an announcement to passengers. Angela Allen, Moncton's Director of Public Transit, said in an interview that the upgrades will take place on Kodiak Transpo's 40 buses over the coming year. Other upgrades will affect dispatch and scheduling system for buses. The new system will allow passengers to view the locations of buses and get estimates on when the next bus will arrive at the stop. Maybe I'm spoiled because when I moved to Ottawa in 2009, what is that, 13 years ago, they had this stuff. So listen, great that you're incorporating this, but you're maybe just a teensy bit behind the times and we probably need to have the standard be like a teensy bit higher. Let's bring in Corinne Van Dusen for the big business story of the day. So Corinne, what is crackalacking in the world of business this morning? Well, the story caught my eye because yesterday's poll in regards to um, executives working at Qantas in the baggage and other customer service related mm-hmm. fields because it got me thinking about complaints. <laughs> and turns out Canada's transport regulator is also thinking about that because they say there's a backlog of air passenger complaints and it's growing because of staff shortages and because of the summer of uh, airport chaos, as they call it. The Canadian Transportation Agency is trying to hire more facilitators who can help resolve customer complaints against airlines. The complaint backlog ballooned to more than 15,000 in May Climbed higher in June as the surge of travelers overwhelmed airlines and airports following two years of the muted demand. The CTA says complaints seeking compensation for flight delays and cancellation, as well as misplaced luggage, make up the bulk of the cases. Mm. Um, So we'll find out uh, (laughs) how many of these uh, jobs facilitators they're going to fill because it is... uh, what what would they call it? A thankless job, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. You're to help people. <laughs> when you're dealing with sort of quasi-judicial work, you're definitely going to be uh, facing some thankless stuff. Adam Burns of Canadian Press had an interesting addendum to this story yesterday that in a lot of cases of these complaints, Canadian Airlines are saying, well, you know, we didn't have enough staff. So this was a safety issue. We don't owe you a refund, except that who controls their staffing numbers and who booked those flights? Yes. Yes, I know. I was reading about that with a lot of like, well, we can't do it if this, but we can't do it if this, but we can't do it. And that I think that's always been like that. But this just seems to be brought more to the forefront now because you are hearing of, well, there are certain hours that um, flight attendants and pilots can work. Mm-hmm. And if the plane's delayed and they go off over those hours, they can't go on the plane. That's because, right. Because it's a safety issue, right? But that is a, the domino effect of the uh, the planes being late and all the other stuff backing up. So it's uh, definitely interesting. I know I follow people on Instagram who have traveled and one person went to I've, somewhere in Europe three months ago and just got their bags. Back. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those bags went on a vacation somewhere. We're not sure where. Yep. Corinne, what yep. do you think of the word? Sorry, I, I don't mean to do media criticism with you, no. but I've seen it pop up in copy in articles everywhere. Have we just accepted that the word chaos is appropriate, that people can just use this in news copy now? How do you feel about, about journalists just sort of using that chaos word willy-nilly whenever they feel like it? 
Um, I think it's it's been muted now, for lack of a better word. You know, it's, but um, it, and it reminds me of it's chaos down here, Tom. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for checking. Yeah. Kind of thing. It, it, it's, um, but the airport chaos. Yeah, I, we're using the media is using a lot more for mass situations. Uh, such as airports and stuff where people just don't know what to do. Uh, other words are being used for um, more serious um, situations that come up, but I find chaos has been used um, more. Most I've read it with um, airports. Yeah, I find that I find it's been used maybe a little bit too liberally. I also think that maybe the reporting needs to start becoming a little more targeted. I know anecdotal evidence is not systemic evidence, but when I've been going through the small to medium sized airports in this country of late, like Winnipeg was totally fine, totally straightforward, totally easy. Halifax, we were through security in about three minutes when we traveled a couple of weeks ago. Even uh, going through Pearson Terminal 3 to Halifax uh, a couple of weeks ago, like we were in the security line for like less than a minute and a half. It was mm-hmm. staggering, mm-hmm. right? So I, I do, th- but that said, when we landed in Pearson on the Sunday and you walk through the baggage claim area and like half the square footage of the place is lined with bags, I would like, and like nobody's guarding the bags. They're just like bags out there in the middle of the room. It does make you think, yeah, maybe chaos is the word there. But I do think we need to be really targeted. I, not we, I don't mean yeah. to say like we or you mm-hmm. need yep. to be that yeah. way. I just think like the, the media as a general entity needs to be really careful with descriptors like that because I think sometimes it, it doesn't quite connect with reality. Yes. So you're trying it's a theater to mine. You're trying to uh, to create an urgency when you're talking about this. And uh, it just made me think of um, using that word and talking about certain places such as airports. And we've talked about this before, how as Canadians, it's our it's our right to complain about weather and gas prices. But now it's uh, it seems to move over to weather and airport, quote unquote, chaos. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, Corinne, thank you for this. Thank you. That's Corinne Van Dusen. We'll talk to her in a couple of minutes with the regional news update. But coming up next, Community Report. Reporter Becky Zarr will share her inclusive shopping experience at Silver Icing's online store. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head into Regina for a community report with Becky Czar. Hey, good morning, Becky. Hello, Becky. Hi. There's Becky. Hey, Becky, how you doing in the heat wave out there? Oh, I'm loving it, Dave. It can just stay here for the next, you know, six to nine months type thing. <laughs> I, I thought that might be the answer. I'm like, yeah, Becky probably likes the hot weather. She strikes me as a hot weather enjoyer. Totally. I love it. I love it every day. Today, it's a little bit gloomy out there, but it's still getting up to 26, I believe. So I'm happy. Right on. Well, Becky, let's uh, jump into a really positive experience you had recently, a great shopping experience with an online store called Silver Icing. So let's start here. What brought you to the store in the first place and what made this experience so pleasant? Yeah. You know what, Dave? I I obviously love fashion. I've always loved shopping and picking up clothes. And, you know, I I used to find it kind of relaxing and somewhat of a hobby. I almost described it as, which I don't know if that actually qualifies as a hobby, but um, anyways. And so (laughs) as my vision has progressively decreased, my once fun hobby has become nothing but frustrating. And so to go into a store right now with my eyesight independently 
is frustrating and a gong show and not really a pleasant experience. And so I'm trying to figure out how I can still, you know, have my own style and pick out my own stuff by myself without having an entourage with, with me. Which, you know, an entourage is fun for certain applications at certain times of the day, but sometimes I just want to pick my own shirts out and oh, just yeah. be, it, it, you know. It's almost like a time for you to reflect and meditate too, right? I don't mean to, I don't mean to bring like consumerism and meditation together, but it can be really nice to spend some time walking around a store, doing some shopping, not having to sort of converse and debate every decision with every person around you. Yes, absolutely. Not to like justify or take somebody else's style on myself because they think it's cool or they think I might look cool in that. But I mean, the reality is if my lights got turned on, I might think it's a horrendous shirt. But (laughs) anyways, so I was looking at some different options and I stumbled upon a business called Silver Icing, which I understand has been around for quite a period of time. And I'm just a late bloomer, I guess, coming to this topic, but um, I love it. And okay, accessibility wise, I have to admit, I haven't gone on to their store online with JAWS, but I have gone on using my voiceover software just built into my iPhone and it works fabulous. And the really fabulous thing about Silver Icing is they sell everything from head to toe. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop that I stumbled upon. So I can get like my shirts there, my pants there, shorts, uh, you know, pajamas, accessories, earrings, purses, everything. And they're all kind of the fun latest styles as well. Like styles that I would have worn before I lost my eyesight or that I just thought, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, it's like Burnett, the label, Vera Moda, Levi's, you know, a lot of popular brands that, that people commonly go into a real store and, and shop for. So the thing that I find really fabulously helpful with silver icing is they have descriptions of absolutely Mm, every mm. item. And it's not just like available in teal, right? It's like, it describes the, you know, the stitching. It describes if there is, you know, um, a slit up the side. It describes how the arms are cuffed. If it's wide, it describes mm-hmm, the color. Mm-hmm. If there's a design, if there's a flick in there, it's not just a pink shirt. It'll say like, it's got a flick of this or whatever. And I was like, I love that because I can't see that. And those are the details that I sometimes want or sometimes just don't want. Right. Um, and so I find it super helpful. Also, you can link with a consultant who sells the silver icing stuff. Right. Um, and so they will actually, I found it even more helpful. So my consultant has got to actually know my style. Um, We sat down, had a conversation when I first started and kind of dipping my toe into this label and said, you know, this is what I kind of like. These are the colors that I, you know, kind of lean towards. And this is the styles that I like. I I don't want to have this or that. Um, I'm not a green girl. I, you know, riders games. Sure. I'll bring out a green t-shirt, but that's pretty much the extent of it. It's just, I don't think I look nice and green. That's just how it is. And so, um, you know, she really helped tailor things. And then she also um, has these video reviews where all of the product gets shipped to her because there's free shipping to a consultant, which is, I think, great. Because then she just dropped off at my door, right? Um, And then she opens up all the packages and does like an online video and describes it even further. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is the most accessible thing ever. And I absolutely love it. And if it doesn't work, she'll just send it back to you or or send it back to the company. No big deal. No questions asked if it doesn't fit properly. But they have 
all of these reviews as well that are built into each of these items. And there's people of all shapes and sizes, like real people that are describing how this fits for me. And they say their names and you get to know like these, I'm going to call them models. I don't know what they look like, but you know what I mean? These models who are are presenting these items um, and you get to know them and kind of, you know, in a weird kind of way that sounds kind of stalkerish, but, and say, you know, I (laughs) typically wear the same size as this alley girl. I don't know who she is, but I'm going to go with that size because I I've bought other things that, you know, she's found that fit her in that size. I'm going to try it. And I haven't sent one item back. So I'm thrilled. Um, It's super easy to find online. You can just Google silver icing Canada or go to www.silvericing.com and it will all pop up there. And there's just a plethora of fabulous items. And if you are a little bit you know, nervous of reaching out to a random person explaining your vision scenario. Um, and you want to link with a consultant who's already linked with myself, who's got the vision scenario going on um, and level of awareness, feel free to just private message me and I can shoot you her name and um, she can hook you up. So right anyways, on. it's fabulous. Yeah. Becky, the expression that I would pull there is that it's a value added, right? It's a really uh, full thought out, full thought through customer experience. When you think about things like description and video reviews that are all enabled and linked into that experience, it just as a consumer is going to make you more likely to put something in your cart because you actually have a sense of what you're getting. Yeah, it really is. And I don't know if they intended on being this fabulous for our population um, or it could just happen by default. But you know what? Kudos to Silver Icing um, for doing it and making it so accessible at so many different levels for, for me and for all of us. And honestly, I buy probably 90% of my clothing and accessories from there. Wow. wow, wow. Okay. So I'm going to let people know silvericing.com is where they can find out more silvericing.com. Or if they want to send an email with a general inquiry admin at silvericing.com. Becky, we've only got about three minutes here, but uh, there's a big (laughs) event coming up in Regina. The Harvest City Church community in Regina is uh, hosting a big summer get together for locals. What's expected at the event? Yeah, it's just a, a fabulous way to get together this summer, meet other individuals and celebrate, you know, the fabulous weather that we're having. So um, they're having anything from, you know, entertainment, bouncy castles. They're having um, police officers and firefighters there with their vehicles, which is always, you know, exciting for everybody of any age. Um, they're having rescue, um, like animal rescue services that are there as well to meet some of the animals. It's a free barbecue that's taking place as well. It's taking place here in Regina on Saturday, August the 27th from noon till 3 p.m. at the Harvest City Church. Um, and I'm just scanning down to try to find the uh, the address here oh, I've got it. I didn't I, have I've, that memorized. I've, I've got it, Becky. I've got it. It's 2202 8th Avenue North in Regina in the north side of the church parking lot. Beautiful. Thanks so much. And if you want more information, you can just go to harvestcity.ca. Ah, gotta love a good summer picnic. That sounds like a good time through and through. Hey, Becky, best of luck with uh, enjoying the beautiful weather and some online shopping, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Take care. That's Becky Zarr, community reporter in Regina, Saskatchewan. If you want more information on these stories, you can visit the blog, ami.ca slash now blog. Let's wrap up the hour with a couple of news stories. As Ontario's healthcare system deals with staff shortages, increased wait times, and temporary ER closures, experts are offering up solutions to fill the void left in the government's throne speech this week. Karen Rebo recaps the reaction. 
There is no shortage of suggestions from experts and advocates as to what could help the system get through staff retirements, vacations, illness and burnout. Nurses unions are calling for training and registering more health care workers, including from other countries. They also want better working conditions and they want the government to scrap the law that caps wage hikes for public sector contracts at 1% a year. The Ontario Medical Association is calling for the province to build publicly funded standalone health centres that can perform less complex outpatient surgeries. The doctor's group says 22 million patient services were delayed during the pandemic, 10 million of which were surgeries and cancer screening procedures. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press, Toronto. And one more story for you dealing with the war in Ukraine. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is calling on Western nations to give more money to help his military fight Russian troops. He told defense leaders at a conference in Denmark that the, the sooner we stop Russia, the sooner we can feel safe. Danish Defense Minister... Martin Bodskov told reporters that the leaders are working to send Ukraine more help. We are uh, looking forward for our congress, uh, conference here, uh, of course hoping for a, 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 a lot stronger support for the Ukrainian fight against the uh, Russian invaders. And uh, we are pretty optimistic that this conference here in Copenhagen will, will set the next step. At the meeting of European allies, Britain, Germany and Denmark made pledges of what they would donate in terms of weaponry and funding. We covered a lot of ground, as always, in the first hour of the show. If there's something you hear or see that you like or don't like, reach out to us. Give us your feedback. Feedback at AMI.ca is the email address. At AMI-audio is where you find us on Twitter. Or give us a ring-ding-ding, 1-866-509-4545. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. It's Thursday, August the 11th, 2022. Coming up in the second hour of the show, we'll get a recap of the Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event, including a look at some of the latest smartphones flipping and folding with Sean Priest of Double Tap Canada. Then Sylvia Fiquette will drop by the show. She'll tell you about Operation Freedom Pause Canada and their service for people with disabilities on Vancouver Island. Island. But let's begin the hour by bringing in Corinne Van Dusen and the regional news updates. Thanks, Dave. We'll start in British Columbia, where a formal, former federal NDP candidate in the riding of Vancouver Granville is challenging Attorney General David Eby for leadership of the BC New Democrats. In June, Premier John Horgan announced his intention to step down once a new leader is chosen. And Geely Apaduria says she's running as a way to challenge what she calls the status quo of the party, with a focus on addressing the climate crisis, health care and deaths from toxic drugs, housing affordability, and the rising cost of living. The deadline for candidates to enter the race is set for October 4th, with voting for a new leader starting on November 13th and a decision expected in December. Abaduri is the director of campaigns for an organization called the Climate Emergency Unit and narrowly lost her bid to the, for the federal seat in Vancouver last fall to the Liberal candidate in one of the closest races in the country. BC wildfire officials say a lightning storm rolling over Vancouver Island was responsible for sparking up to nine fires burning in the region yesterday. All of the fires centered around the, the Barkley Sound area where the fires reported near the communities of Port Alberni, Eucalypt, Bamfield, Butter Lake, and Ninadat Lake. 
Fire Information Officer Julia Cassini says it's possible some of the fires are being reported more than once, given their close proximity. All of those reported on the island were smaller than an acre in size as of yesterday afternoon. Moving to the prairies, where the family of a Saskatchewan woman being held in custody in the U.S. says they want her extradited quickly to deal with her charges in Canada. Don Walker, who is 48, is facing two charges in Oregon related to identity fraud, along with two charges in Saskatoon of child abduction and public mischief. She was arrested Friday when she and her seven-year-old son were found in Oregon City following a two-week search for the pair. Police allege Walker was involved in a custody dispute with the boy's father and faked her death and that of her son before illegally entering the U.S. Manitoba is the first province to sign on to the new federal funding for crisis centers that help victims of gender-based violence. The federal government will provide Manitoba up to $1 million over four years so the crisis centers can do things such as hire more staff and train more volunteers. It's part of the federal government's promise to spend $30 million on the issue first announced in the spring budget. Marcy Ian, the federal minister for women and gender equality and youth, says she expects other provinces to sign on soon as well. In Ontario, the mayors of Toronto and Ottawa are divided over a proposal to give them veto powers over certain bylaws in what the Ford government says is a bid to get more housing built. Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson says he doesn't see how the so-called strong mayor powers will help build more housing in the city, calling instead for more provincial funding. Toronto Mayor John Tory says he needs to review the legislation but supports the idea. The Ford government tabled a bill yesterday that would allow those two mayors to override council approval of a bylaw, such as zoning bylaws, if it hampers a set of provincial priorities to be set out later in regulations. Ontario's government-run recreational cannabis distributor says operations are resuming at its distribution centre after it was disrupted by a cyber attack. The Ontario Cannabis Store, which supplies all legal retail stores with their inventory, was made aware of a breach at one of its logistic partners on Friday and was forced to shut down a centre in Guelph. It was unable to fulfil orders as of Monday. But in a message on the website, the distributor says it is returning to normal status and a number of deliveries would be made late yesterday, beginning with orders affected by the shutdowns. Moving to Atlantic Canada, where air quality expected to deteriorate in parts of central Newfoundland because of smoke from ongoing forest fires. The Provincial Department of Justice and Public Safety says smoke will increase in the towns of Grand Falls, Windsor, Bishop Falls and Botwood beginning this morning. Officials say the increased smoke will likely persist until late Friday evening. Residents are advised to stay indoors and transportation is available to those wishing to evacuate to the western town of Deer Lake. And Nova Scotians admitted to hospital while sick with COVID-19 are no longer being treated separately from patients who have not contracted the virus. Dr. Shelley McNeil, Senior Medical Director for COVID Planning with Nova Scotia Health, says this is the gradual evolution of dealing with COVID-19 in the health system. The province has eliminated designated COVID-19 units in favor of a care-in-place model, which means all patients will be treated in the unit of the hospital that meets their medical needs regardless of COVID-19 status. McNeil says that by making this change, there will be more hospital beds in the regular rotation of hospital services. And those are your regional news headlines. Thank you very much, Corinne. We'll talk to you a little bit later. But for now, let's bring in our friend Jeff Ryman for a sports chat. Jeff, even though my enthusiasm, my enthusiasm for the World Junior Tournament, tournament while I'm really good at talking, uh, is a little bit dampened 
Canada did get the tournament underway last night with a win, and they have another one coming down the pipeline tonight at 6 p.m. So let's start with your reaction to the game against Latvia. I would call some, I would call it something of a lackluster effort. Yeah, you, you stole the word right out of my mouth. Lackluster is definitely the word that I would have used to describe that win last night. And yes, some people are thinking, but they got the win 5-2. That's still a decent win, but uh, over a team like Latvia. And I'm not bashing on Latvia. I'm just saying that Canada typically usually beats these guys by a little bit more than just a three-goal uh, differential. <laughs> except, Dave, the, except, the except, except, except the quarterfinal of the uh, 2014 Olympics when I think we beat them 2-1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that goaltender uh, was phenomenal for Latvia uh, in in that in that quarter final. <laughs> whose, whose name we've already forgotten because he's no longer in the league. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Dave. I mean, even you you set the line yesterday at what seven and a half? I think I said I think and... I said it way too high. I think I said it at eight and a half. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know what? I would that was pretty spot on in my opinion. I took the under, so you know, kudos to and, you know, tooting my own horn a little <laughs> I'm, bit. I'm the but, kind of bookie you like, one who sets bad lines. <laughs> uh, but yeah, lackluster, definitely. I mean, just watching that game from start to finish, you were just waiting for Team Canada to really get a go going, and they kind of did a little bit in the second period, scoring I think two goals in around a minute. And I was thinking, okay, this is when they're starting to open up, and it just never happened. And then in the third period, mistakes everywhere. I mean, penalty after penalty after penalty. I think they were on the penalty kill for about half of the first uh, half of the third period. Um, not not playing uh, like a, like a cohesive bunch. You could just tell, Dave. I mean, this is uh, the middle of the summer, and it's kind of what you would expect a bunch of hockey players to play like, like in the mm-hmm. middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that they'll get better. They'll they'll, they'll play uh, as the chemistry gets better. They will play better as a team. But those passes just weren't crisp. They weren't receiving those passes uh, as nicely as you would expect. A couple of turnovers. The goal tanking, uh Kosa looked a little bit shaky in some instances. So um, definitely the rust was there. The potential is there as well. But definitely a, a lackluster win against a team like Latvia. So let's turn our attention to tonight when they play Slovakia at 6 p.m. Eastern time on TSN. Slovakia had an absolute crackerjack of a game against the Czech Republic on Tuesday. They ended up losing that game. They're not sending a full squad to this tournament either. All three of their players who were drafted in the first round of the NHL draft, not at this tournament. But that power play was still very impressive on Tuesday. That's something Canada needs to be careful about. If you're going up against a team that has a good power play, who can get the puck into the net, that could really that could really be something that uh, costs Canada in this game, in this pretty meaningless round-robin game. Yeah, it's going to be a, a good challenge. Obviously, the competition against a team like Slovakia is going to be a little bit of a step up. So curious to see how they play, especially on the tail end of a back-to-back. Um, wondering, you know, how, how they're going to deal with that. I'm assuming they might make a goaltender switch and get Garand in there at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just curious to see because, like I said yesterday, the the power play for Team Canada looked okay. The penalty kill looked okay. Um, actually, the power play, um, they, they allowed a couple of shorthanded breaks, which wasn't ideal. I thought that was uh, something that they could tighten up just a little bit. Um, but definitely the competition against a team like Slovakia 
Slovakia. Again, one of these nations that is uh, sneaky good sometimes. It's going to be a, a, a bit of a bigger challenge tonight. Um, curious to see how, how Canada reacts. Uh, like I said, the potential was there. They had some great plays. I mean, Connor Bedard, probably the best player for Team Canada yesterday. A goal and an assist. Um, he looked really good. And just a fresh 17 years old. Um, looked really, really good um, against a 19 and 20 year old. So, you know, got to give credit to him. But the rest of the squad, I think, uh, still needs to shake off a little bit of that rust. Yeah, should be a good day in general. All three games today are of uh, pretty decent hockey powers going up against one another. So should be a nice day of hockey action on TSN. Jeff, let's look ahead to this evening. And uh, when you talk about meaningless games, it doesn't get much more meaningless than the NFL preseason. However, if anybody's in a fantasy league, it starts getting down to brass tacks tonight. you got to start evaluating your players and looking for signs and getting onto the preseason hype train. And there are some interesting games coming down the pipeline here. We have the New York Giants and the New England Patriots, and we have the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. Jeff, I want to take a moment to talk about this Patriots and Giants game. There are a lot of reports out of the New England training camp that this team is really struggling, and it's probably not a surprise that they brought in Matt Patricia, failed Detroit Lions head coach and Joe Judge, disgraced New York Giants head coach, to run their offense in place of Josh McDaniel, who went on to uh, take a job elsewhere in the league in Oak in uh, Las Vegas. Jeff, putting incompetent people in in charge of your offense, one of whom has never been an offensive coordinator before, and surprise, surprise, the team is playing really poorly. How excited are you to tune, tune in tonight and potentially watch the New England Patriots look terrible? I love it as a Bills fan, and I know for sure you as a Miami Dolphins fan, you've got to love hearing these reports. <laughs> so our bias may be speaking a little bit right now. Um, but overall, uh, the Giants versus the Patriots, the Giants as well, Dave, reports out of their training camp. There was like fights, like coaches pushing players, players pushing players. Uh, and then you go up against, like you just mentioned, the, a Patriots team who hasn't looked ideal. Uh, non-Belichickian, if you mm-hmm, will, mm-hmm. Uh, really early on. Mind you, Dave, again, really early on here. Like, they haven't even played a single preseason game yet. Obviously, the preseason is to work out those kinks. But nonetheless, uh, it is football. And, Dave, whenever there is football on, you always have my attention. And you hit the hammer on the nail looking to scout some of those fantasy players for tonight as well. So, I need mind to you, see I need to see how many carries New England running back Damian Harris gets. I need to know, Jeff. I need to know. You just never know in that Bill Belichick offense, though. And I believe there was a quote from Belichick last week that something along the lines of, I don't care about fantasy. And I sent the fantasy world in shambles. We were thinking, what? How could you? But nonetheless, you know, it is Bill Belichick. But Dave, there's football on. There's the football. It's back. And I believe that we have football every Sunday from here on until past the Super Bowl. So, yeah. I don't really care who's playing. I'll probably tune in just a little bit. I don't know about the full game. When the third and fourth stringers come on, it kind of gets a little dicey, but it's football nonetheless. Between 7 p.m. Eastern time and about 8.15 p.m. Eastern time as those first quarters roll through of those first two games, one starting at 7 and one starting at 7.30, We'll probably see a couple NFL starters out there. So that's exciting yeah. stuff. And that's, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame game was last Thursday, but like that's just, yeah. that's just trash. So we'll, we'll, we get some, we get some <laughs> real preseason football tonight and can start uh, working our way towards fantasy drafts in a couple weeks.
Yeah, absolutely. And Dave, a, a controversial name getting a start at some point this week. Deshaun Watson with the Cleveland Browns. Don't know how I feel about that, Dave. Um, but that is one of those names that has been already floated around and out there by Cleveland saying that he is going to start. So uh, I'm wondering when that ruling on him is going to come down and hopefully it comes down before he actually starts that game uh, this week. Yeah, we have, uh, we're still waiting to know what the appeals process is through the NFL's disciplinary committees uh, in regards to his sexual misconduct and player misconduct that's uh, been evaluated. Uh, 22 cases of sexual misconduct settled in civil court, several continuing to be outstanding, and uh, several news sources reporting about two dozen more uh, coming down the pipeline. So the Deshaun Watson situation is one that uh, the NFL uh, has maybe not taken as seriously, and it's one that they are probably hoping to get taken care of sooner than later because anytime that gets mentioned in the press it is bad press it's bad for them and it's really bad for the victims jeff thank you for this no worries dave see ya that's jeff ryman he is at the ami sports desk grace scofield is at the ami weather desk thanks dave here's your ami national weather report from environment canada we start off in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where there's a mix of sun and cloud this morning with a 40% chance of showers this afternoon and a high of 21 degrees. In Charlottetown, it's mainly cloudy with a 60% chance of drizzle this morning with a high of 24 degrees. In St. John, it's mainly cloudy today with a high of 21 degrees. Over in Quebec City, it's mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of showers late this morning and this afternoon, with a risk of a thunderstorm and a high of 20 degrees. In Toronto today, a mix of sun and cloud, with 30% chance of showers early this morning, otherwise sunny in the afternoon, with a high of 26 degrees. In Sault Ste. Marie, it's sunny today, with a high of 20 degrees. Over in Brandon, Manitoba, Mainly sunny, with some increasing cloudiness early this afternoon and a high of 24 degrees. In Regina, it's mainly cloudy, with a 30% chance of showers this afternoon and a risk of a thunderstorm late this afternoon, with a high of 26 degrees. In Lethbridge, Alberta, it's cloudy today, becoming a mix of sun and cloud this morning, with a high of 34 degrees. In Red Deer, Alberta, a mix of sun and cloud, with a 30% chance of showers late this afternoon and a risk of a thunderstorm, with a high of 26 degrees. In Whitehorse, it's mainly cloudy today, but that will clear up by late this afternoon, with a high of 20 degrees. In Kelowna, BC, a mix of sun and cloud, with 60% chance of showers or thunderstorms and a high of 31 degrees. And in Vancouver, BC, the weather is clearing up later this morning with a high of 23 degrees. And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Grace. Coming up after the break, we'll say hello to Sean Priest of Double Tap Canada. He's got a recap of the Samsung Unpacked Galaxy event where they showed off a couple new smartphones that flip and fold. So we'll do some acrobatics with Sean Priest after the break. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome. 
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Somewhere beyond the sea, Sean Priest is waiting for me. Sean is one of the hosts of Double Tap Canada, and he's here to talk about technology. You can find that program Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. And, of course, as I mentioned, Sean is on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean in Manchester, England. Hello, Sean. Hello, Dave. That was quite possibly the most romantic thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> well, you know, such. you bring a little Bobby Darren into the proceedings ah, on a Now gorgeous. with Dave Brown. You just bring in songs that are like 70 years old. That's how you appeal to the kids. That's well how you done, do you. it. Yeah. Well, let's go f- instead of 70 years ago to uh, just yesterday where Samsung held their Galaxy Unpacked event and showed off some new wares. Sean, we're going to take a look at a couple of different items here in terms of phones that dropped. So why don't we start with the Galaxy? Galaxy Z Flip 4. What's the uh, what's the information we need to know about this machine? It flips. That's what you need to know. Oh, it's like wow. being back in the 90s. It's like those clamshells again. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> the Z Flip. I don't know why they call it Z. Something to do with the hinge. They call it the Z hinge. I don't know. It sounds French to me. Z Flip. <laughs> you, know, you, know, Z... you know, Sean, we have to be careful here as a yes. Canadian and, a, and, a, and, and, a, and an English gentleman. We should be saying Z, but Samsung's calling it Z. So we're putting a tricky, a precarious, tricky situation. I know. I know. I blame Samsung. I don't. It's fine. Z Flip. I don't like the sound of that. Z Flip sounds better. Oh, um <laughs> No, there's no denying. When it comes to the Z Flip, that clamshell design is, it's real, I don't know what it is. It's really popular. Mainstream-wise, people love it. You know, I mean, everyone loves a smartphone, that's right. Uh, But yeah, it's all a bit slab of glass. It's all the same. There's something about that clamshell design, that ability to fold a phone over to hang up and slam it down. There's something about that that really hits with people. Yeah. my partner went into town the other day and she doesn't care about phones. She could care less. She yawns and uh, I'm boring and all that whenever I'm talking about them. But she came back and said, I want the Z Flip. Of oh, course, wow. I said you can't wow. have it. It's far too expensive. But it's that design. It's something about it. It's really um, it's really taken off. Uh, so, yes, uh, the Z Flip 4. We're at the fourth generation of foldable phones from Samsung already. As, as we know, Samsung, when it comes to hardware, gorgeous gorgeous design Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. when it comes to the four over the previous one the z flip three um there's not a huge amount of difference i know i could talk about specs and the processors but to be honest no one really cares about that stuff it's slightly (laughs) it's slightly uh smaller it's slightly more durable so they're saying but the important thing when it comes to all of these foldable screens and phones is how long and how durable is that display? Right. Can that, uh, hinge, can that hinge hold up? Absolutely. Because I still can't quite believe it, you know, Dave, that we're at the, 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 the time of our lives where we have foldable screens. Still seems a little bit, you know, rocket trousers to me. Still seems a little bit too futuristic. <laughs> but they have had a few problems in the past, obviously, with their screens and the durability and the hinges as well with dust and detritus getting in the uh, in the hinges but with each generation it's getting better and better and better and with the z flip i think they've really got a hit on their hands it's just the price tag where it struggles a little bit so hit me with the price tag what's the anticipated price oh are you ready okay I'm ready. stay still it is 999 dollars and that's us dollars i haven't got the canadian price as of yet Hold on um, a second. But, hold on a second. I'll, I'll do. I'll do. You you talk for a second, much. and I'll. I'll, I'll okay. I'm not. I'm not going to find the press release, but I'll do a rough translation no. based on okay. today's on today's trading will. dollars. 
Thank you. I'm guessing it's about one million uh, Canadian rubles. So um, it's going to be quite expensive. But this is a premium phone. This is bleeding edge. When we're talking foldable technology, to be honest, you know, you're going to expect to pay that sort of price, um, which is why I told my partner, absolutely not. You're not having one. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, but it, it, it is you're paying for the um not just the design i mean the, the the engineering that goes into it as well this is cutting edge tech so based on the current dollar markets mm -hmm. 999 us translates <gasps> to about 1272 canadian dollars but i suspect mm. we'll probably see a number a little closer to 1299 or 1399 when we actually get yes. the uh, canadian official price on that one sean i know they're not necessarily explicit with this stuff but do you perceive any accessibility features that would come along with this flip phone I don't. I don't. I don't think there would be any uh, specific for the the foldable aspect of it. I, I, I mean, I suppose it's good in one way that we're at this point when it comes to accessibility, where accessibility is just able to deal with this different display technology. When you think about it, basically all you're doing is the whole thing with foldable is that it's smaller in your pocket. Yet when you bring it out and unfold the device, you've got a, a, you know a bigger screen. Uh, mm -hmm. by 50% mm -hmm. or 100%. I can't do the maths. I don't know, Dave. But it's just <laughs> twice the size of the screen. Now, when it comes to accessibility like TalkBack or, you know, our, our screen readers, then obviously it's just it's just another screen. It doesn't really matter. There are going to be some maybe difficulties when it comes to some of the different positions you can have it in. When it comes to the Z Flip, you can have it folded in half where the bottom half of the screen has got different controls. And on the top half of the screen, you may have a web browser, for mm -hmm, example. Mm -hmm. So, but still, I can't see I can't see any problems with that from a screen reader point of view. You're only really ever touching one part of the screen at That's a time. Right. So it should be able to cope if, with it absolutely if, with no problem. If you find the Samsung software is accessible to you, then I'm sure you'll find this this Android operating system and Samsung software is going to work with, with the new yes. generation. Like that just stands to reason. Uh, Sean, absolutely. let's jump over to the other one here. And I think, I think we need a little help on differentiation because we also had the launch of the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold. Four. So we talked about mm. the flip mm. and this is the fold. So what are the, what are the differentiation points here? So the flip is where it's um, you fold it open. Is it, oh, hang on, vertically. Yes, that's the way. So like a clamshell phone from the past, as as we've mentioned. Now mm -hmm. the fold is opening like a book. So the crease is going down. The fold hinge is going down vertically down the screen. Hang on, is that right? Yes. Yeah, you got so, it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's opening. It's opening more like a book. So when you were opening the fold, it's more like a tablet size from a, your standard smartphone that we're using now. If you're able to fold that open, then uh, that's what we're looking at when we come to the fold. And that's the difference with the flip and the fold. You flip one open and fold one open. So, um, yes, it's very much like a book or a magazine. And because of that, obviously, this is the bigger brother. This is more powerful. It's obviously physically much larger as well. Um, but if you're looking for the, the, the most real estate when it comes to a display, then this is probably the best thing out there. This is akin to being able to fold up your iPad or your whatever Android tablet into and stick it in your pocket. Um, absolutely. Again, with, with all this, when it comes to Samsung and their engineer, they're, they're so far ahead of their competition. We, we're not seeing any folding phones coming from anyone with, with any seriousness other than, you know, this is something we've made in the lab with sellotape. Mm -hmm, uh, but, mm -hmm. but Samsung are actually out here and they have these commercially available. 
And again, the, the fold compared to the flip, it, it really just does come down to what size screen mm -hmm. you want to mm -hmm. have, really. Sean, what are we looking at price-wise here? If it's the older sibling, I assume that means we're looking at a higher price. Oh, yes. Get ready. Okay, get the, get ready to convert here, Dave. Get the, defibr get the defibrillator ready. Get the defibrillator <laughs> ready to pump me up. $17.99 US dollars. Oh my goodness. I don't even know if oh. my calculator I don't even know if my calculator well, can do that math. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on a second, Sean. We're doing you this in going. real time. Real time. $17.99 Canadian mm -hmm. into uh US into Canadian. $2,290.58 based on current market conditions. So again, expect that to be maybe $2,300 or maybe a even a little snip, bit more. Oh Dave, my goodness. For a man of your caliber. You should have two. Um, but look, go, going back to accessibility, I mean, if we're talking, uh, I understand you, you use you use magnification rather than I do. screen reader. I do. Is that yeah. right, Dave? So if you think of the Z Fold and the, the screen real estate that you have and the ability to turn on magnification on something like that, the amount of information you can get on that screen compared to your standard smartphone, obviously it's so much better. For, for low vision users using magnification, there may be a, a real benefit to that yeah. sort of screen size. Screen geography can definitely be really useful, but then you do run into some practicality issues because when you're yes. talking, even if it folds over and opens into tablet size, if that thing is super thick in my pocket, it's it's just not going to have a usability case for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. I agree. And that's where the Z Flip for me has it. It's it's just such a portable device. And, um, you know, I, I think it's the best of both worlds. Sean, who do you, th besides your wife, who do you think the target hmm. market for these is? Um, I hate to say it. I think it's for the um, I think it's for the designer geeks out there, uh, it, it, purely because of the price. I mean, mm -hmm, as I've said, mm -hmm. I think from the design and engineering point of view, who wouldn't want to get their hands on one of these? But they are deliberately priced, I think, at the higher end because, well, just because they are high end. Yeah. So yeah, I think they are more of a. I mean, you could make the same argument for anyone buying the latest iPhone. I'm not saying this is purely a Samsung thing. You know, when we're talking the high end, the, the top end of any Sam, uh, smartphone range, there is a certain market for that. And that's early adopters. That's the geeks. That's the nerds. That's the, uh, well, people with money. So definitely not me, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm out on that one too. I, I, I recently <laughs> bought a stove and a fridge. That's, that's where my disposable income went. Ah, well done you. Well, you got to keep the beer cold somehow, Sean. Uh, Sean, <laughs> thank you for this. Always enjoy catching up. Have yourself a great day and we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Dave. See you later on. That's Sean Priest. He's one of the hosts of Double Tap Canada. You can find that program Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio, and you can follow them on social media at Double Tap Canada. You can find The Pulse on AMI-audio Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time. This week, Juita Gupta will kick off a three-part series profiling this year's inductees into the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame. The first episode starts with Paralympian Josh Duick. That's The Pulse, Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio, and you can hear Joita on our news panel tomorrow morning around 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Coming up next, Grace Scofield and I will follow up on a story from yesterday about some copyright infringement in the music world. We spoke to the lawyers, and we're going to play a little audio snippet and then play Judge Judy, or in our cases, Judge Grace and Judge Dave. Bang that gavel. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Court will be in session with Grace Scofield in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's bring in Nazreen Abdelmajid to find out what's trending. Nazreen, sweet treats are uh, trending this morning. It's Miracle Treat Day, and you can make an impact by simply going to your local Dairy Queen and purchasing a blizzard because... All net proceeds today are donated to local children's hospital foundations. So we encourage you to go to your local Dairy Queen and buy a blizzard. And I wanted to ask you, Dave, what's your go-to blizzard or what's your favorite? No, 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 Nazreen, before I do that, before we have the fun, I do need to say something. And I know this is a little bit unpopular. Uh, Yes, we definitely encourage people to go and support their local children's hospitals. They do really important frontline work, especially in the healthcare situation we find ourselves in right now with staff shortages, ER closures, et cetera, et cetera. Children's hospitals are the backbones of communities and you should be supporting them. Uh, Dairy Queen. Owned by Berkshire Hathaway, uh, an investment firm in the United States run by Warren Buffett. Current market value of Berkshire Hathaway, over $627 billion. So Dairy Queen is taking your money today and saying, we are giving this to these children's hospitals. Buy our product. Here's some money. Take your, give us your money. And then we're going to give this away. And then at the end of the year, we're going to get a big, juicy tax write-off. So we put less money into the healthcare system. Guys, this is great publicity for Dairy Queen. We're doing it right now. We're falling into the trap and they're going to get positive media coverage all day long because it feels so, so good to say, wow, by talking about this, we're supporting children's hospitals. Although as media organizations, we could do that every day without having to go through some giant uh, conglomerate company that's worth hundreds of billions of dollars. So just keep that in mind. You know if go, su- of- If you want to go support Dairy Queen today, Please go do so. But just remember, you could support the Children's Hospital with money directly, and then you would get the tax write-off. Yeah, I was going to say, like, a lot of uh, companies do that, though. It's, yeah, you're doing a kind thing, and, you know, you feel good at the end of the day, but at the same time, you're getting your public, uh, your publicity that you were asking for. Um, so I get what you're saying and I, I totally, I'm on your side on this one. I wanted to make mention of that, but again, I, yeah. again, because you're right. A lot of companies do this. There's a major Canadian coffee chain that does it. Yeah. There's a major hamburger chain that does it too. And they'll take the good press and we in the media class, the chattering media class fall into the trap every single time. Okay, Nizreen, let's actually have the fun though, because people do love themselves some blizzards and blizzards are delicious. And I've definitely eaten a bunch over the course of my life. Guilty. I've got a couple, uh, on, on the top of my list. I would say the one that I'm most likely to go to because it's the most sort of, uh, easy brainless process for me is the smarty blizzard. I just think vanilla ice cream and smarties are meant to go together. They belong together. They're a dream team. So my most like mindless when I walk into a Dairy Queen and I just say like, I want this and I'm just going to get a blizzard and I'm not thinking about it. Boom. Smarties. First thing out of my mouth. What about you? I would go for cookie dough or Oreo. Yeah. Simple. Oh, basic. Oreo. But Oreo's cookie dough is too. like number one for yeah. me. Oreo is good too. Again, that's in kind of what I call the, man- the mindless category. When I'm getting a little bit more excitable, they do a yes. really nice strawberry cheesecake blizzard that I also really, really enjoy. Oh, ho, 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 yeah. And it's real good. But it's one of those moments where you have to kind of psych yourself up to order that one. It takes a little bit of a different a different approach. We've got a Grace 
hanging by on the other side of the glass here. So let's let's find out what Grace has to say. Grace, best blizzard. So my guilty pleasure blizzard is like cotton candy all the way. I'm oh, a big like get like a sweetness. scoop of like bubble sweetness. gum, boo boo, whatever ice cream. <laughs> so I like cotton candy blizzards. But one of their best ones is a newer one. It's a Reese's Pieces and cookie dough kind of mix up. Oh. I got it like yeah. a couple months ago. It's delicious. I uh, I object to peanut butter being mixed with chocolate, but I can definitely see how that would be delicious for those who don't mind combining church and state. I can definitely see where that would be. That would be a delicious item. I think we have Ramya on the line. Ramya, where do you stand in the Great Blizzard debate? What's what's the blizzard for you? I'm genuinely taking notes as you guys talk because I feel like I haven't had anything but Oreo Blizzard my entire life. So I didn't even know about half these. Cotton candy Blizzard is a thing. You just don't like trying things. Yeah, I think so. I I think I got the Oreo forever and my family like we're all Oreo so we just stuck to that forever and uh, that's it not never that, expo- expanded not that I want to like intentionally and deliberately crowbar disability into this story but I do wonder about habits of people with disabilities for us it's not super easy to necessarily like just read the menu what's new what's yeah. featured yeah. what's on the board so Ramya maybe there's something to be said about once you have a habit you have a habit and like that's that I'm curious about the psychology behind that too. But you know what? It's not to say that I didn't have friends ordering other things. I just, I refuse to see anything but Oreo Blizzard, I think. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 still a pretty reasonable policy. I like, listen, there's, yeah. like, like Nizreen pointed out, Nizreen, I think you said that was your secondary Blizzard, right? That, that's sort of the opposite yeah. of, of my Smarties to my, to my strawberry cheesecake. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oreo is always a second choice. Even a, a McFlurry, a McDonald's, uh, it's always a second choice for me. Well, we're plugging all kinds yep. of brands today that could uh, happily <laughs> sponsor the show. Although maybe not Dairy Queen after my Dairy rant. Queen. Maybe not Dairy Queen after my rant, but that's okay. Uh, okay, Nizreen, before I say goodbye to you, I do want to ask you the daily poll. I put this on everybody's radar this morning because I think it relates, and especially for people who are connected to the disability community like you are and like we are. Over the last six months, new debit and credit sales terminals have been rolling out across the country. Are you finding them hard to navigate? Yes, no, or you haven't really noticed the new ones? At AMI-audio on Twitter, Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. What do you think, Nazreen? Honestly, I've never noticed any, any new ones. I I've never noticed it, and when I when you asked, I'm like, really? There's there's oh yeah, <laughs> like like yeah. like wildfire. They're all over the place, and there's like probably eight Guelph to, is behind. Well, that's all those farmers, <laughs> all those farmers in Guelph. Surprise, surprise, yeah. behind the times. <laughs> hey, Nazreen, thank you for this. We'll uh, talk to you uh, tomorrow. You got it. That's Nazreen Abdelmajid letting you know what's trending. Now we go back to Grace Scofield for the entertainment report. <laughs> All right, so Grace, yesterday we talked about a lawsuit between the, I'm going to call them a pop R&B band, 3LW, suing Taylor Swift over the use of some lyrics in the song Shake It Off. We talked to our lawyers and we said, can we play a little bit of a snippet of this 3LW song so we can have a better sense of what exactly the statement of claim is? Yes, so let's play this 3LW song first. We've got about 10 seconds of it and it is the lyrics that they say Taylor Swift copied. So here's this one. It's like, it's a jam, okay? I'll give them that. Oh, yeah. It's a good song. It slaps. And then, for comparison, let's play Taylor Swift's song. 
Tell me how those are the same song. So I think it's, I think it's important that we remove the melodic component to this, right? That we that we yes. take the the melody out of it yeah. and sort of the the genre and style out of it. I have to say, after listening to it, I can certainly see where the 3LW complaint lies. But then as you get deeper into their own chorus, you see where they've lifted music from other artists in terms of lyrics. And that's where I think the crux of the case lies. That we're talking about a colloquial common expression of players are going to play, haters are going to hate. So I, I do acknowledge that they can probably say like, hey, you, you sort of picked up a, a lyrical hook from us. But I would also suggest that that like that's a lyrical hook that falls under the, the the space and the style of colloquial language. Exactly, and I mean haters gonna hate, but no hate to Three LW. Um, are they the most popular group to use that phrase ever? Like I think that a bunch of other groups or people could then come after Taylor Swift for saying, "Hey, you've used these phrases that we also used." Because, like, they can't be the most popular people to have used these phrases before Taylor Swift. Yeah, I will say, though, after we went and listened to this song yesterday, I was like, this is kind of a jam. And and, it, and now I yeah. kind of remember it as, also, a, as, as a turn of the century, turn of the millennium, uh, pop R&B jam. Yes, and I, I mentioned it to you yesterday, but I realized that two members of 3LW were actually went on to be, like, the Cheetah Girls, uh, which was really big for me growing up. Disney Channel movie mm-hmm, nights were mm-hmm. the Cheetah Girls. Okay. So I was like, okay, I can't be too mean about it. But also, I don't understand where this is coming from because I still don't see the factual similarities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although now the lawyers and the judges can get involved, so that's yes. all good. Yeah. Hey, Grace, I know you had another story, but we're a little tied up on time here. Let's save it for tomorrow because I think there's a universality to it that we can uh, tackle tomorrow on the Friday show. Yep. That's Grace Scofield with the Entertainment Report. Let's bring in Ramya Amuthan one more time to find out what's coming up on Kelly and Company this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Hey, Ramya, before I ask you what's coming up on the show, I want to give you an opportunity at the Daily Poll as as well. Have you noticed in the last six months some of these new debit and and uh, and credit point of sales terminals and are you finding them hard to navigate? I have not noticed them, but it, if you can describe any of the ones that have popped up, I'm not going to lie, I haven't gone to get any kind of uh, cash or user physical card. It's just been tap, tap, tapping away. So, so e- uh, are they touch screen? So, so even with the tap, tap, tapping away, uh, they've changed the spot where you tap. So there's there's a couple that. Oh, are, I see what you're saying. Yes, they're, they're the worst. So there's a. Cu- I don't like them. Oh, so so you have encountered them, and you are finding yep. them hard to yes, navigate. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, because you know why? Before you could tactilely, you know, uh, navigate to the screen and tap there. Whereas now there's some point kind of above, kind of to the right of the screen that I can never really get uh, on my own, especially mm-hmm. on first mm-hmm. attempt. So it is difficult to navigate. I say hard yes. Yeah, so there's a couple that have rolled out. There's one that's very thin at the bottom and very bulky at the back, and the tap is at the back behind the touchscreen, which always trips me out. Yeah. There's one that looks a little bit like the older models, but these ones are all touchscreen through and through, and the fonts are teensy tiny, and the tap is in the usual tap spot, but because the whole machine feels different, it's it's hard to kind of figure that one out. And we're also seeing a lot of uh, eye iPads or tablets being rolled out where the tap spot is just right. like not intuitive at all. 
Which is interesting because the all touch screen, you're talking about the font, but for someone who uh, needs to navigate using a tactile number pad, is that available on those touch screens? Not that I've noticed, no. Wow. Yeah. Okay, problem. It's it's so funny because I know uh, we spoke with the CNIB about a year, so not funny, I shouldn't say funny, it's, it's, it's peculiar because I know about a year ago we spoke mm-hmm. with the CNIB and they've been working with one particular developer to make a more accessible tap screen but I ha- or a more accessible uh, terminal, but I haven't seen that mm-hmm. one rolled out yet. I haven't seen that particular Moneris model yep. rolled out yet and all these new ones, I've, and I think we identified there's about six to ten that we've noticed in our, in our day-to-day travels that, that they're yeah. just they're really tough to use. Yeah, absolutely. And you know how you just pointed out where the actual tap spot is behind uh, the the top screen. I didn't even realize that because I've still not experienced where somebody has physically pointed out this is the spot where you need to tap. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been trial and error. Ramya, what's yeah. coming up on the show today? Okay, we're talking to Fern Lullum. She's highlighting the Commonwealth Games. They just took place in Birmingham, UK, uh, end of July, early August. So we're talking about the inclusion and accessibility behind that. Montreal community reporter Mathieu Rochette is uh, highlighting a judo program that's very inclusive and coming to Montreal. And we're flipping through quirky stories from around the globe with Jeff Ryman because it's What in the World Day. (laughs) It's What in the World Day with good old Jeffy. Hey, Ramya, thank you for this. Have a great day. That's right. Thanks, Dave. That's Ramya Amuthan, co-host of Kelly & Company, coming your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming your way next is Sylvie Fiquette. She's going to tell you all about Operation Freedom Paws Canada and their services for people with disabilities on Vancouver Island. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head out to Vancouver, British Columbia to catch up with content development specialist Sylvie Fiquette and the Pacific Regional Report. Hey, good morning, Sylvie. How are you? I'm great, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Always nice to chat. Let's talk about Operation Freedom Pause, offering a service to veterans and those with disabilities on Vancouver Island. What is the service all about? Yeah, so this story comes from the Comox Valley record uh, on Vancouver Island. Operation Freedom Paws trains therapy dogs and their owners together as a team. The service opened its first Canadian chapter on Vancouver Island in February 2020. And the headquarters are based in California. After more than two years of operations, the organization has finally been able to host its first open house and showcase this summer. Operation Freedom Pause is dedicated to empowering veterans and individuals with disabilities to restore their freedom to live life by connecting them with service dogs and training both the person and the dog as a service dog team. Since launching the island chapter, 21 people and their dogs have graduated from the program based in Fanny Bay. When it comes to training, what's their approach in terms of these animals developing relationships with their handlers? Yeah, so the first several weeks are really foundational knowledge as the duo learns basic commands and instructions. In the advanced stages of the courses, the dogs begin to recognize when their comforting tasks are required by their partner. The service dogs are that are selected for the program are already very affectionate and caring. It's a really important trait 
for the partnership to work well. The 48-week-long training program is free for anyone who this program is designed for, and it's entirely dependent on fundraising. So according to the founder, Barbara Ashmead, the cost to provide programming for one dog uh, owner duo is about $12,000. Where does the organization source the dogs from? So most of the dogs from the organization are rescues. Earlier this year, the organization welcomed six rescue dogs that were airlifted out of Afghanistan. Matching the dogs to the clients is really all about connection and intuition. And um, their dogs are young, rescued, or repurposed. They're carefully matched to their human partner to start healing together and providing each other with a new lease on life. And how can somebody learn more about Operation Freedom Paws? Yes, if somebody wants to check them out, they can visit ofpcanada.org or call 1-250-954-5552. That's 1-250-954-5552. Sylvia, let's go to the world of arts and culture. We've spoken to Amy Amanti about this, and we've spoken to you about some of the fun cultural happenings going on around Vancouver. Well, Bard on the Beach is uh, making its comeback here into the Vancouver area, and Vocali is going to have some in-person, live-described performances. So, what's coming up? Yeah, so I definitely wanted to talk to you about this, Dave, because I took this play in a couple of weeks ago. A uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream is on at Bard on the Beach, and what an incredible performance um, and cast. Just really highly recommend the live performance. It's Shakespeare's really comic masterpiece side of things. It's really one of the easiest works to follow and just hilarious. It was really, I mean, I laughed through the whole thing. Uh, just a quick synopsis of A, Mid- a Midsummer Night's Dream um, follows four young lovers and a troop of stumbling actors through an enchanted wood on a journey of discovery to find out who they are, whom they love, and why it matters. Beginning in a world that is in disrepair, the story moves to the forest where the natural and supernatural have merged with elves, goblins, and talking trees guiding the way. (laughs) Bring family and friends and enter into a world of love, laughter, and magic. Yeah, it's definitely a postmodern. It might be old English or English that's old, but it's some postmodern stuff that Will, that Billy Shakespeare was exploring in that one. Vocali is offering up something here in terms of tickets for its customers. What should customers know? Yeah, so Vocali members um, are there, there's a fantastic deal for people: one complimentary ticket plus fifty percent off an additional companion ticket for the Vocalide described performances. These happen Saturday, August 20th at 7.30 p.m. And Sunday, August 28th is a matinee at 2 p.m. And the running time for the play is approximately two hours and 40 minutes, including an intermission. Oh, my gosh. Sounds like an Avengers movie. It's really long. And we went on a night that was a little too hot, but... But it it was great. They provided fans for people to fan themselves. And uh, the intermission really helps to cool down. Mm. And there's, uh, you know, full wine and beer and um, snacks. So you got through laughing the whole time. (laughs) Uh, Tell me a bit more about the venue itself, the the, the beach and where these performances are going to be happening. Yeah. So Bard on the Beach, um, it's the Beam 
It's called the BMO main stage. I always want to say BMO. Um, I would, 16- ex- I would, I would accept. I would accept BMO. I would accept BMO. I, is a, I think I, that's fair. I think it's fair too, and I I trip over it when I have to actually break it down. So sixteen ninety five White Ab- Avenue in Vanier Park, just off of Kitts Point, and the theater is uh, in uh, a tent, but there's. It's a kind of horseshoe, and it's open-ended to the north. So you look right onto the mountains and the ocean. Oh, man. Um, th- through this stunning wrought iron sort of wall that the elves and goblins are running around on, and they even have, like, a wedding scene on this sort of wall. It's just really incredible. Uh, it's great to be at the beach. We happened to take in the fireworks that night, so we actually stayed. They have performances where after the performance there's another show and dinner provided so it was really great my goodness gracious date night with sylvie Fiquette's cranking up to a new level dinner and a show and fireworks <laughs> i mean come on it was pretty exciting Dave. <laughs> getting out there in the world love that yeah i mean the, the notion of being able to look at the ocean and the mountains maybe vancouverites get tired of it but uh, those of us here in landlocked toronto will never ever get tired of the kind of beautiful BC. Although, Sylvia, I'll tell you, I was in Halifax a couple weeks ago, and uh, Halifax giving you guys a run for their money, money in terms of some of the ocean beauty, but they can't quite throw the same mountains out into the mix. No, and, you know, Bruce was just saying he was there and that it's warm during the day, but the ocean, it cools it down. Well, not so much happening here yeah, anymore. Yeah, that climate you, change is real. Yeah, you guys are having <laughs> a hot summer out there for sure. Uh, Sylvie, thank you for this. Always fun catching up and enjoy all the sights and sounds and smells of beautiful British Columbia. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. That's Sylvie Fiquette, Content Development Specialist for AMI, joining us from Vancouver, British Columbia. Coming up on the show tomorrow, it's News Panel Friday. Michelle Joita and myself will hash out some of the big stories that are cracking. That gets started at about 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time, but the show gets going at 9 a.m. Be there, be square. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.